today, and we'll read verses, uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 4 to 7. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is at enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. <clears throat> This is a, a passage here that is very important to us because it shows us the difference in the way we think. If we live according to the Spirit, it says we mind the things of the Spirit, but if we live according to the flesh, we mind the things of the flesh. And it says to be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The carnal mind, it says, is an enmity against God. Now that's an old word we don't use too much anymore, enmity. But the word enmity means, from the Greek dictionary that I looked up this morning, it says hostile, in opposition, and hatred. It's hostile towards God. Our, the natural mind is, at, is hostile towards God. It's at odds with God. It's at opposition to God. So it's at opposition to His will, His plan, and everything about it. It's the natural mind. And this is really important for the Christian to understand because the Bible says there are many voices in this world. And it's important to be able to discern the right voice, the right way, the right way to think. The Bible tells us to bring every thought captive to obeying Christ. And he, in that passage, he says, are you looking at things according to the outward appearance? The way the natural man does. Full of logic and human reasoning. It's just that way we look at things. And this is something we want to constantly remind ourselves of because it is something we're challenged with day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. We, it's a continual challenge to bring our mind into the right place. The natural mind is at enmity against God. <clears throat> in the Old Testament, God dealt with Israel, we see in the first covenant, differently than he dealt with and, and instructed people differently according to the New Covenant. Why? Because in a New Covenant, <clears throat> man has the opportunity to be in a different condition. You remember the song we just sang, Hark the Herald Angels Sing? In there it says that he came to give us a second birth. 
And that second birth is what Jesus talked about in John chapter 3, about being born of the Spirit, being born again a second time. The first time we're born of the flesh. And we think according to the flesh. But when we're born of the Spirit, we have the opportunity to think according to the Spirit. To be not, our minds not being at enmity with God. In the book of James, it says, draw close to God, and God will draw close to you. But yet, you know, there's been times when we've tried to draw close to God as Christians, and we feel like, you know, there's something interfering, or something in the way. Yeah, there is. It's the carnal mind, and it's the flesh. They're at enmity with God. And when we're on, the ch- on that channel, and we're being manipulated and controlled by the flesh, it makes it hard for us to communicate and to have fellowship and to worship God. And <clears throat> from the very beginning, and it's demonstrated in the book of Genesis chapter 3, And we go to Genesis, first book of the Bible, chapter 3. Indeed, if you would read verses 1 to 13. Now the serpent was cunning, more cunning than the beast of the field which the Lord had, God had made. And he said to the woman... Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of of its fruit and ate. She also gave her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam his wife and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, "Where are you?" So he said, "I heard your voice in the garden and and was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself." And he said, "Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I have commanded you that you should not eat?" Then the man said, "The woman whom you gave to To be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Mm -hmm. When we read this, it's important for us to understand not only what happened here, but what it means for us. Because this is where enmity between God and man begins. It begins here. But the enmity with God exists to this day. And there's a war going on within each one of us. 
that are in Christ. The war between the flesh and the spirit. And the, and the flesh, which is at enmity with God, does not understand or care about the things of God. It cares about the things of, our, of the natural man. Jesus, when he was rebuking Satan, as he was talking to Peter, he said, you desire not the things of God, but the things of men. We naturally do not desire the things of God. That's the natural man, the human nature, which is an enmity with God. And so let's make a few observations of what we see here, what we just read. So God gives the command, and so it says the serpent was crafty, cunning. Satan was working through this snake, and he says, and he begins to question and put doubt in her mind. And begins to question the reality of God's word. God said, you're not, you're not really going to die. God's word really isn't true. And, it, and this is where the enmity begins, where the devil begins his work. And God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be opened, knowing good, and you'll be like him. So, <clears throat> begins to question, put in her mind these thought bombs, questioning the integrity of God, questioning the integrity of the word of God. And that's the work of the enemy. And so, it says in verse 6, very important, that Eve, the woman, she saw that the tree was good for food, was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. So she ate the fruit. Think about this again. It was good for food. There's the flesh, the belly. It's good for food. The lust of the, uh, the flesh. The lust of the eyes. It says, it was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree desirable to make one wise. The pride of life. It was an appeal to the human nature. That caused her to stumble. The natural man. The carnal mind. Is at enmity against God. When we listen to our human nature will absolutely cause us to stumble. And so they, she ate it. And then she, not only did she eat it, then she made her husband stumble and fall. She, caught, she appealed to her husband, and her husband listened to her. And you can see the blame game when Jesus, when God confronts them. Adam, Adam was confronted. He said, the woman you gave me. And then he confronts Eve, and he, she says, the devil made me do it. It always pass the buck. But let's see what happens when they, in verse 7, uh, they, they, they began to cover themselves with fig leaves. They knew they were naked. And they heard the, vo the verse 8, they heard the sound of God, Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the, gar among the trees of the garden. When you, when they heard the voice of God, you read before this that you know God was communicating with Adam and Eve, 
But now after they sinned, now there's this, because they listen to the human nature, now there's this fear of God, hiding from God. Not, no longer understanding God. And it says, God asks Adam, where, where are you? He says, I heard your voice in the garden and was afraid. He's afraid of God now. So here lies the problem, the enmity with God. The people of this world are enmity with God, that's clear, because they have not made peace with God through Jesus Christ. But we talk here today about those of us who have made peace with God through the blood of Jesus. If we find ourselves being too busy, or just resisting coming to the Lord in prayer, coming to the Lord to worship Him, having fellowship with God, everything else becomes more important. It's because of that enmity. We're, we're, we're being influenced and manipulated and controlled by the carnal mind. And all the justifications that come with it. It's the natural reasonings of the carnal mind. If we're having problems, as I said earlier, drawing close to God, it's because of the manipulation of the carnal mind and of the flesh. We're being manipulated. And so, when we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 7, we read in there about how we have weapons that God has given us to bring our thoughts captive to obeying Christ. To bring ourselves to a spiritual mind. God has given us the ability to be spiritually minded. And so we need to do that. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. The abundant life and peace in our hearts comes from being spiritually minded. That's plain and simple. As we read the New Testament, life and peace come from being spiritually minded. Confusion, dark clouds over us, feeling far from God, it comes from being carnally minded. So, if there's a problem, the important thing is to first recognize where the problem is, and that's where it is. God lays it out for us. And you see it beginning to happen from the very beginning in the garden. Enmity with God. Their minds are in a different place than they were before. They need to come back. And everything, when we're in the carnal mind, everything about God becomes perverted. We no longer understand God's love for us the way we should. It's hard for us to say, yeah, God loves me, I know, I know, but deep down inside there's, there's something wrong. Our minds are not in the right place. Our heart's not in the right place. We're listening to the wrong voice. We're listening to the voice of the flesh. And we listen to the voice of the one who's um, working with the flesh. That's the enemy. The enemy and the enmity. <laughs>
we find I remember the other day Kate was showing me somebody who put on a Facebook account that where is the fire where is the flame in my life and this is the answer if we feed our flesh our flesh and overfeed it it becomes strong but if we do what Paul did, it says, I beat my body into subjection and make it my slave. So either we're going to be a servant of the carnal nature and the carnal mind, or, those, or we're going to put those things into subjection and make them our slave, make our bodies our slave, make our flesh our slave. Otherwise, we will be the slaves of our flesh. And that's where we have to just decide, I'm sorry, between having enmity with God or having peace with God. Spiritually minded or carnally minded. And this is something that is about the way we live. This is about our life, to examine how are we living In Colossians chapter 3, it begins saying, If we have been raised with Christ, set our mind on things above, not on the things of this earth, because we have died, and our life is hidden with Christ in God. So in Christ, who is our life, appears, we shall also appear with Him. Here again, it tells us, where our mind should be. This is, this is what a spiritual mind is about. We read it earlier in Romans 8. The spiritual mind is about the things of God. Mind's the things of the Spirit. The carnal mind, the things of the flesh. When we're wrapped up in the things of this life and the things of the flesh and it's beating us up and, and we got this dark cloud over us and what's wrong and where's God at and everything else, Carnal mindedness is doing it. It's beating us up. But when we're walking by faith in the Son of God, and we're believing the message and walking by faith in the Son of God, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me, for you, for all of us. When that is in our mind that we're living by faith in the Son of God changes the whole thing. Changes everything. A change of heart, a change of mind. We believe the message that all things work together for good to those who love God. To all those who are called according to His purpose. We believe that God is at work in our life. We read last week and in the lives of those we're praying for. There's no need for discouragement. There's no need to live in fear for our children, for our lives, for our health, for the love of for the, those around us. There's no need to live in fear of you know, having enough and God and being uh, not being in want and need. We don't have to worry about those things. God has promised to supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There's no need to fear. No, no need to fear what man can do to us. Because he said he'll never leave us or forsake us. 
Those are the things of the spiritual mind that we have to keep on reminding ourselves and bringing, you know, the Holy Spirit is, is bringing to us these things. <clears throat> and we have to tune into it. Tune into the voice of the Spirit. <clears throat> we go to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. And just two verses there to read. If I can get there. John 4, uh, 23 and 24. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The fact of the matter is, is that <clears throat> we can be religious and worship God from the flesh. And it'd be a, a religious place. But that's not what God desires. He desires us to worship Him from our heart and according to the truth, Jesus said. But we find resistance to that. And many in Christian, do we, I mean, sometimes the, high, the whole idea of actually worshiping God seems strange, seems weird, seems uncool, seems bizarre to the human nature. Of course it does, because it's an enmity with God. It doesn't recognize the greatness and the holiness and the glory of God. It doesn't recognize those things. So we can pay God lip service according to the flesh, and we can do some natural things that we can convince ourselves is worship, but it's only through the Spirit that we can truly worship God. And there's resistance to that, and it comes once again from our human nature. So what we find out as we, <clears throat> as we go along through the scriptures is that our human nature is in resistance to having a relationship with God, to having fellowship with God, to coming to God in faith and prayer, just like Adam and Eve, hiding from God, afraid of God, resisting Having a relationship with God. That's our human nature. So we'll say to them, well, what do we do about that? What to do about this human nature? What do we do to get control of ourselves? So that we're not just being manipulated and controlled and serving the flesh. Bible says if we live according to the Spirit, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh and its affections and its desires of the flesh. In Romans 8 we read last week that we by the Spirit must put to death the deeds of the flesh. Crucifixion 
we talk about it, and that, the fact is, is that if we don't do that, um, like I said, the flesh will control us. But if we do those things, if we by the Spirit crucify the flesh, like it says in Galatians 5, <clears throat> we'll get control of it. We will be the master over our flesh, instead of the flesh being master over us. And Jesus will be the Lord of our life. For real. Not just in concept, but for real. As we live, our light will so shine. That's how the, the light of the world shines in us. If our flesh is subdued and put under by the Spirit. Now we can try to do that in our human nature. I remember, excuse me, I remember in the dark ages, there used to be people that used to take a cat of nine tails and beat themselves with beat their body <clears throat> using the words of Paul and misinterpreting them to mean you must literally beat your body, uh, physically beat your body, and that's going to make you obey God. Now it says by the Spirit. If we put the death, the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit, it says. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Mortify, put the death, the deeds of the human nature. It says it throughout the New Testament. Paul mentions it often. That's why we mention it often. It's mentioned often in the New Testament. So, <clears throat> that being said, what does that look like, putting to death the deeds of the... What does it look like? How do we you know, do that in a practical way? By the power of the Spirit. It's a work of, it's a work of faith. The work of the Spirit is the work of faith. We must believe that God has given us this power. And then we must walk in it. Crucify the flesh. I have power over the flesh. I've been died with Christ, risen with Him to walk a new life. We must believe in a new life, a life that's different from the old one, different from the carnal nature that's telling us to do the wrong thing. We must believe these things. It is an act of faith to put to death and crucify the deeds of the body in a way that's real, in a way it works. If we do it according to flesh, it's not going to work because it's still an enmity with God. So that's, that's the message of getting control of ourselves. Now, Jesus was asked by his disciples, why can't, we, why can't we cast out this demon? And Jesus says, because of your unbelief. Unbelief. It's part of the human nature. Remember, the human nature does not understand the things of God. It's an enmity with God. Our mind, our natural mind, does not believe in the power of God. I remember going to Pentecostal churches, they're talking about the power of the Spirit and and the and the how all these miracles are going to happen. And some of them even did dishonest things, staging miracles <clears throat> so that people would put money in their basket or believe and grow their church and all this other stuff. I actually was a witness to that. <clears throat> and of course, there's been people on TV that have been exposed for conjuring miracles and staging them so that 
you know, this is not what God is talking about. This is a this is an enmity with God, these things. The power of God comes through a spiritual mind. The power of God works through a spiritual mind. The natural mind doesn't understand the things of God. <clears throat> Why do you think there's so many false teachings? Why do you think there's so many cults that use the Bible? They take and use the Word of God for gain, for false pretenses, to gain a following. Yeah, it says it all in here. Some people, they want preeminence and they begin to draw disciples away to follow after themselves. They teach strange things that appeal to the flesh. They appeal to the human nature. And people will follow them. Because the natural man, the carnal mind, does not understand the things of God or the Word of God. And so they'll take the Word of God and make false doctrine with it. Okay, just a, a few more here. First John chapter 3. Um, sorry, it's chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, and uh, verses 9 and 10, and then 16 through 19. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And we have known and believed the love of God, the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I remember uh, a song that I heard when I was a younger man by a folk singer by the name of Gordon Lightfoot. And he sang a song about a ship that went down in uh, Lake Superior called The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And in that song, he talks about, he talks about the, as the ship's beginning to sink and all 27 uh, seamen were lost at sea. In the middle of it, he says, that, Can any, does anyone know where the love of God goes? And that's because the people of this world, like this man, <clears throat> they don't understand the love of God. And that they don't understand and embrace the love that God has for each of us. God demonstrates it for us, to us through sending His Son into this world, the Christmas story, and then the Good Friday story, and the Easter story, and all these stories 
or the truth of them, most people miss it. Because it has to be revealed to us from God. And so, the love of God, we understand it, and we become convinced of it, and we believe it, because we see that God reached out to us. We didn't reach out to Him, He reached out to us, and demonstrated His love for us, and sending His Son to give His life for us. That's how the love of God is understood. And then God begins to reveal that that love is not just a generic universal love, but it's a love for the individual, for each of us. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, God loves us. And it is in embracing this that we, through the blood of Jesus, through faith in the blood of Jesus, believing this message, that we embrace it. And we begin to tell others that God loves them. But then sometimes we forget, you know what? God loves me. And when do we begin when does that begin to fade away? When does it become a blur? When we be, when we begin to become carly minded again. Begin to listen to the flesh again. And so this is the, the struggle we're going to have for the rest of our time here. You know, when God feel when God seems far away, there's a reason why. God isn't moving. God hasn't moved away. God is everywhere. And in Christ, He lives in our hearts. He doesn't leave our hearts because we feel like He's far away. He didn't go away. Who went away then? Our hearts went away. Our minds went away. We become consumed with the affairs of this life. And we become, uh, set our minds on the things of this life. I remember as a young Christian, just being in a lot of confusion about this. And I would sit in front of a TV on a Monday night and watch Monday night football and, and, and sit there for three hours and, and, and then... At 12.30 at night, after the game is over, and all that excitement is over, then I get down on my knees and pray, and then, Lord, you know, I'm really tired, I'm going to go to bed, I'm too tired to pray right now, and then, just like a, you know, a bomb went off, the question comes out, well, why are you so tired, why are you so tired, why can't you pray? You spend all your time and energy feeding the flesh, you know, if we... <laughs> If we, if we spend our time in the affairs of this life and nothing else, I make no time to set our mind on spiritual things. Make no time to be spiritually minded. Yeah, you know, we're going to be carnally minded. Our flesh is going to manipulate and control us. We're going to be programmed by the things of the flesh. Where is our minds? Where is our life? If we're being programmed by the internet and all the entertainment and things of the internet, I'm not, I use the internet too. I'm not putting down the internet. I'm not putting down fun. But you have to understand something. <clears throat> what happens if we give ourselves too much food? 
too much alcohol, too much entertainment, too much of the things of this life, too much in the hobbies, and too much in this, that, and the other thing. We're just feeding our flesh, and then we're surprised when our flesh begins to manipulate and control us, and we can't stand up to temptation, and we and we're losing our temper all the time, and we're doing, th- you know, and we God feels like He's a million miles away, up in some, you know, up in the wild blue yonder, in a throne somewhere far away. Why is that? Why are we discouraged? Why are we downtrodden? Why is our soul discouraged? It's all part of the mortal human nature. And this, you know, when I'm talking here, I'm just scratching the surface. Each of us has to examine the, not only these scriptures, but examine ourselves and how we line up to what God is saying here. Because honestly, and this is just what the Word of God is saying, do we believe God's love for us? Are we really believing that and, and secure in that? Because if we're insecure in that, there's carnality in our thinking about these, these spiritual truths. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul says, I just want to ask you one question, he says to the Galatian church. He said, how did you receive the Spirit? By the works of the law? Human effort? Or by the hearing of faith? And then he goes on to say, having begun in the Spirit, are you going to be perfected in the flesh? I think Dan read this some weeks back. Having begun in the Spirit, do we become perfect in the flesh? By, by, by being in the flesh? No. The answer is clearly no. <coughs> and so being carnally minded is not going to help us to grow spiritually. It's not going to help us to be victorious as a Christian. It's going to be the opposite. That's why it says in Romans 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And we're not going to grow. And we're going we're gonna to be at enmity with God because we're listening to the carnal mind. And so, <clears throat> what typically happens to those who are in Christ is that there's this kind of bouncing back and forth between the carnal mind and the spiritual <laughs> mind. And that looks, and that, that creates instability in our life. Spiritual, emotional, and mental instability in our life. And if we want stability, and if we want to stop bouncing back and forth, then we have to understand what's at work, and do, and then do something about it, as we've been reading about. You know, if we don't want this, you know, this roller coaster Christianity that we live, and we want to stay on that higher ground. A higher plane than I have found, Lord, lift me up in the higher ground. If we want to be lifted up on the higher ground and be stay there in the higher ground, we must continue in the spirit. We must continue to be spiritually minded. Because that back and forth between the flesh and the spirit is what really creates the turmoil in our life. And that uneasiness inside, that lack of peace inside of our hearts. And all the other stuff that goes with it. Hmm. 
when we hear Jesus' words in Matthew 7, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door be open to you. Boy, what a great and open-ended invitation that is to us here in Christ. But to be honest with you, when we read those words, when we hear those things, when we hear somebody preach those words, you know, there's all this, uh, you know, yeah, well, you know, and there's all this cynicism, there's all this doubt that comes in and everything else. Those things are the carnal mind. That is the carnal mind. The Old Testament is a demonstration of that struggle between the Word of God and human nature. That's what it is. God declares His Word, and people wrestling and struggling with what God has said. It's no different today. It's from the Garden of Eden forward. And that He began there, it's here today. Here we are today, and it's still there. The deliverance from that enmity with God, of course, is through the blood of Jesus. And the deliverance from the carnal mind, the human nature is the blood of Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit that He gives us through faith in Christ. That's what I had this morning, brothers. Uh, if you want to elaborate on that or anything else you have to, to share, uh, this is the time to do that.